Welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. Are you ready to get into it? So I told you last week, we're going to start dwelling into what do we actually believe? What do we believe? Listen, we're going to spend the year talking about what do we actually and currently believe? What do we believe? And I'm just going to tell you, there are some scriptures in the Bible that are a little tough to understand when it comes to believing. I'm going to start in Mark 11, 23. Probably one of the hardest scriptures for us to actually comprehend what the fullness of this is. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, everybody say believes, that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe, everybody say believe, that you have received him and they will be granted to you. That's a mouthful. Whoa, I'm thinking that's going to be a long study. Mark 9, 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, a man had a child with the demon and Jesus comes through and he says, if you can heal my son, would you do it? And Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy fathers cried out, I do believe, so help my unbelief. Oh my Oh my, a moment of recognition that I think I believe, but since there's not a result, I must have some level of unbelief. So would you step into my unbelief so my unbelief becomes fully belief? Mm-mm-mm-mm. John eleven forty. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. So the implications that are made in these scriptures is that whether or not you believe or you have unbelief or you have doubt, whether or not you believe things will happen or not. I don't know about you, but that's a tough scripture for me to read. It puts a lot of onus, amazing emphasis on me believing. As a matter of fact, you cannot even come into the kingdom of God without believing. Acts 16, 31, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believing is a huge component of our Christian faith. We're called to believe, and I think we all know that belief is important, and I have to believe, but the question for today is going to be, what is belief? What is it to believe? So I want to clarify some other words that seem like belief, but they actually have a different definition so that we know what we're talking about in those three words I'm going to cover here quickly are faith, belief, and Hope. Hope. Let's start with faith. Faith is an insurance and a conviction of the truth of something. We all know Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In other words, you are completely assured and convicted that what you have faith for or what you have faith in is truth. It is going to happen. Then there's this word hope. Hope, definition of hope is actually the expectation of good happening. 
It's elpis in the Greek. It means uh, there's something good in the future that I'm expecting to happen. And then we have this third word, believe. The conviction and trust by which a person is driven. Let me say that again. The conviction and trust by which a person is driven driven. And I think sometimes we get these three definitions messed up and I see it more as a progression. I hope something good has happened. I believe so I know it will. And in faith, I'm convicted that what I'm believing is true. Are you with me? Let let me give you a quick example. I hope I'm going to heaven turns into, I believe Jesus died for my sins, turns into, I have faith that I'm reconciled to God through Jesus. Are you with me? Are you seeing that? It's going to be important here in a minute because hope can lead to belief that results in faith. Let me say that again. Hope can lead to belief that results in faith. So for starters today, to get us into the scripture I wanna use today, I wanna show you the difference in hope and belief because I think too often we have these two confused. We hope something will happen instead of believing that it will happen. Listen, I got so convicted by this this week. Have you ever prayed for someone's healing and then wait to see if something happens? I mean, come on, when you pray, this is what you're thinking. Man, I hope they get healed. I hope something amazing happens. I I hope something works here. Wouldn't, Wouldn't it be exciting if they got healed? What you're doing is you're hoping they're going to get healed. But the truth is, you don't actually know whether it's gonna happen or not. You're just kind of waiting to see if it will. You've placed an expectation that something good will happen. You want to believe it happens, but honestly, you're hoping it will happen. I'm going to challenge you with this. I'm going to challenge you with this. If you believed, you would not be waiting to see if it happens. You would be already confident that it will. I don't know if this makes sense, but we must believe what we believe. That's your Facebook post, by the way. We must believe what we believe. And when we actually believe, then we are confident it happened and we will no longer be hoping that it will happen. Maybe I could give you an example. It's like when you're teaching your children and they're growing up and and, and you tell them, hey, I want you to make good decisions. And so you go back into your own processes and you think, man, I I hope they make good decisions because I've taught them well and I hope they make good decisions. That's that's what I'm, I'm thinking. But then you watch them make good decision after good decision after good decision. And at some point, at some point, you say, my kids will make good decisions. What happened? I just went from hoping to believing. I just went from hoping to believing. So I want to show you a scripture where a man demonstrated his belief. He demonstrated his belief, listen to me, in front of Jesus. So if you're going to demonstrate your belief in front of Jesus, it better be valid. Are you with me? All right, Matthew 8, 5 through 13. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, A centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, my Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus says to him, I'll come and heal him. Man, that's a great answer. Jesus is going to come and heal him. 
But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Watch. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I'm also a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go when he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I haven't found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, watch. It will be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. What did the centurion believe? He believed that if Jesus just said the word, his servant would be healed. That was his belief. You just got to say it and my servant gets healed. You speak it and my servant will get healed. That's what the centurion is believing. You don't need to come to my house. We don't need a procession. We don't need any kind of change in your schedule. I just need you to say it because when you say it, he's going to get healed. The centurion did not say, speak it, Lord, and we'll see what happens. He didn't say, you speak it, Lord, and I'll go home and see if he got healed. He didn't say, you speak, Lord, and maybe God will come in and do something miraculous. The centurion said, if you speak it, he will get healed. The centurion believed in Jesus' authority to speak and healing would happen because he spoke it. He believed that Jesus could speak healing. So Jesus turns to him. I don't want you to miss this. It's so important. He turns and says, I've not found such great faith, faith with anyone in Israel. So Jesus is saying, your belief represents faith. Watch this. Because Jesus then says to him, go and it shall be done for you just as your faith has said. No, that's not what it says. It doesn't say just as your faith has said. It says, go and it shall be done for you as you have believed. He didn't say as your faith is accounted for. He said as your belief accredits it. You go because just as you believed, it'll be done. Faith was a result of what he believed. What he believed was that if Jesus spoke it, the servant would be healed. Jesus said, you have the kind of belief that's actually leading to a faith. Notice this. What he believed is that when, stay with me, when Jesus spoke it, it would happen. And the scripture tells us that it happened, watch, the moment Jesus said it. You didn't see it? And Jesus said to the centurion, go and it will be done for you just as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Stay with me. Why would the scripture tell us that the healing happened at that moment? Why doesn't the scripture just say, and the servant was healed? Because this is what the centurion believed. The centurion believed you speak it, he'll be healed. The centurion did not believe you say it and by the time I get home, he'll be good. The centurion believed you say it and healing is gonna come. 
Listen, the power of what we believe is incredible. And you hear me out. This is going to be a little bit to swallow, but you got to stay with me to fully understand it. Jesus rewards what you believe. Jesus, now, now listen to me. We're going to have some time to talk about this. Does it have to be something Jesus told you to believe? Yes. It's not just whatever you decide to believe. I believe I'm six foot five. I weigh 220 and my body fat is 0.2. I can believe that all day long. It ain't going to happen. You know why? Because it ain't the truth. But we're going to cover this as we go through the study of what can we believe, how do we believe in it, and how does Jesus reward us for our belief. So today I want to jump right into a question on one of the things we believe. And I want to talk about what we believe. I don't want to talk about what you hope for. I don't want to talk about what you hope will happen. I don't want to expect eventually, but I want to know what we currently believe and what will be rewarded because we believe it. So we're going to start looking at some things we believe this year. And I'm just going to give you, some of you are new to us today. Thank you for being here. Uh, but I want to give you some of the topics we're going to cover in the coming weeks so you can be watching for the one that you're questioning about. What do you believe about healing? What do you believe about deliverance? What do you believe about miracle signs and wonders? What do you believe about predestination? What do you believe about a calling, anointing, and appointing? What do you believe about the five-fold ministry? What do you believe about gifts being irrevocable? What do you believe about spiritual authority? What do you believe about sowing and reaping? Uh-oh. What do you believe about grace? What do you believe about life and death being in the tongue? What do you believe about curses on people? What do you believe about a new heaven and a new earth? What do you believe about revelation? What do you believe about new wine versus traditional charismatic? Uh-oh. What do you believe about moving mountains? What do you believe about God's judgment. What do you believe about strongholds? We're not going to play with little topics. We're going to go find out what we believe. How do I know what to believe? It's in God's word. God's word tells me what to believe. And when I put my foundation in God's word, then I know what to believe. And when I act on what he's told me to believe, there is a reward that comes. So y'all ready to get into it today? I'm going to question you in your first one. Here's our first topic today that wasn't in that list. I wanna know, what do we believe about revival? About revival. Because I think most of us want revival and revival's a very top popular topic in the charismatic and Pentecostal world. Very much, oh, we want revival, we gotta have revival. When's the next revival? We can list the revivals that have happened, Pensacola, Brownsville, Toronto, all oh, these are revivals, we want revival. So there's really many definitions of what revival is in this room. In this room, there are different definitions of what is revival. Is it a week-long meeting in the evenings in a tent? No, it's not revival. Is it a healing service where people get healed? No. That's not revival. Is it a meeting where people cry out to God and fall on their faces? No, that's not revival. Is it a meeting of crazy charismatics? No, it's not revival. Is it a meeting where miraculous things happen? No, that's not revival. Is it a meeting where we play on people emotionally to make them think something spiritual is happening? No, that's certainly not revival. I'm gonna give you the 
definition out of the dictionary and we'll start there. The dictionary definition is, I love this definition, this first one, the condition of being revived. (laughs) Were you not taught don't define a word with the word? That's in the dictionary. A restoration to use, restoring something to use, an acceptance, an activity or vigor after a period of obscurity or stillness. I'm gonna read that again. An activity or vigor that comes after a period of obscurity or stillness. In, in the church, the secular definition is a meeting or series of meetings for the purpose of reawakening religious faith. That's how the world sees the church, that we have this series of meetings to reawaken our faith. What does the Bible say about revival? Because it must be huge, right? It must be amazing and fantastic and God wants revival, so he talks all about revival. Guess how many times the word revival is used in scripture? Zip, zero, none. Not a single time in the New Testament, not a single time in the Old Testament. The word revival is not in there. But let me tell you what word is in there. Revive. Revive is in there. And in the Hebrew and the Greek, it means this, to have life, to remain alive, to sustain life, to live prosperously, be quickened, or to be restored to life or health. In other words, in the short, uh, the biblical revive means to have life or be restored to life. So how did it become such a big word in the Pentecostal and charismatic environment? Why, why are we all waiting and looking for this thing called revival? Oh, do you think revival will break out this Sunday? Do you think if we have this meeting every night, revival is gonna break out? Because we wanna have revival like they've had in other, I'm challenging you, I recognize that, but you gotta stay with me. Because my question is, if revival means to have life, to restore life, to remain alive, to live prosperously, to be quickened or be restored to life and health, doesn't that imply that currently we must be in some state of dead? If you're going to restore me to life, I have to be in some state of dead. We're looking for revival to bring things back to life. And if I'm gonna bring something back to life, it has to be dead because I thought, I thought when I read the word of God that we were brought to life when we came to know Christ. So don't we already have life? How can you bring me back to life if I'm already alive? Listen to me, look at Ephesians 2.5. Even when we, were dead in our transgression. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Camp out with me for a minute in Romans eight. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if you've been brought to life, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he doesn't belong to him, Christ. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we're not under the obligation to the flesh, but to live according to to the flesh for if you are living according to the flesh you must die but if the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live for all who are being led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out Abba Father and the spirit also testifies that with our spirit that we're children of God and if children heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may be glorified with him. In other words, we are already alive. We have already been restored from the dead. We are already alive. Why are we then waiting for revival? So I guess the question actually is, what are we waiting for? What is it that we're waiting for? Why do we think we're waiting on revival? Why do we think something will happen, stay with me, and revival will begin? Why are we hoping that one day a move of the Spirit will happen and we can have revival again? Why are we not believing that everything we need we have to be in revival now? Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Why are we not believing that we have everything we need to be in revival now? Why is there not a move of the Spirit, healings, deliverance, fire, rejoicing, miraculous signs and wonders now? Why is it not here now? because biblical revival should already be here. It happened when the Holy Spirit found his dwelling place in you. He brought you to life when you believed. And doesn't the scripture say, just curious, because we believed, doesn't the scripture say in Mark 16, 17, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it's going to harm them. They're going to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So if I believe, then healing should be following me around. And if I believe, then demons should be casted out by me. And if I believe, then God should be speaking to me. And if I believe, then we should not fear physical injury. And if we believe all of the things we say, we're waiting on something called revival, which should be a part of who we are right now. So why? Why isn't revival happening now? Is it because we don't actually believe that we should currently be in revival? Or could it be, listen really close, that we are hoping for revival and not believing in revival? Could it be that we want this great thing to happen 
that our hope is that revival will be a church out on 95 where a revival breaks out. And we're just all waiting for that one Sunday when something happens and the whole room falls on the floor and all of a sudden revival begins. And I'm asking the question, why isn't it here now? And I'm suggesting it's because we're hoping for it and not believing in it. So this is what we're gonna do this year because I don't think it's gonna be resolved right now unless the Holy Spirit wants to step in. And if you do, come. We're gonna start thinking about what we believe and whether or not we actually believe it. We're gonna start talking about what we believe and whether we actually believe it because I believe that we are in revival now. Oh, gotta hear me out, gotta hear me out, gotta hear me out. I believe that we as believers have been revived. I believe in everything happening that people talk about when they say they want believe, uh, revival, but I want it now. So you know what we need? We need 600 people believing for it now. We need 600 times the belief that we currently have. We need to get out of hoping and step into believing and we need to watch do things because I'm telling you right now in this house, people are getting saved. People are coming to know Christ. Right now in this house, people are getting healed. I got a testimony to men's breakfast yesterday of healing of pain in the legs. God spoke to him, told him what to do and it took care of it. That's healing happening now. I believe that people are getting delivered now. Oppression, anxiety, depression, things broken off of us. I believe miraculous things are happening, but listen, it's gonna get tough again. They're only happening at the current volume of belief. Miracles are only happening at the current volume of belief. So we gotta crank up that volume. We must figure out what we believe so that God can reward and our reward can be multiplied by our belief. Are we willing to believe for more than you're believing now? Are you willing to go from hope to belief? Are you willing to bring revival by believing you're in it already? Come on, church, listen to me. Here's the point. We all want this thing. We all want the miraculous. We want the power of God on this place. We want the Holy Spirit moving in amazing ways. We want to watch transformation. We want to watch people get set free. We want to praise like we've never praised before. We want the Holy Spirit's presence so thick. But do we believe it can be here? Are we waiting and hoping that one day it will come? And that somehow, the greater my anticipation, the greater the opportunity that it might happen. Now I gotta cross over from waiting and say, God wants to heal you now. God wants to deliver you now. God wants a house of praise in Stewart, Florida now. God wants the people of God experience the Holy Spirit in his fullness now. We want revival now. We don't wanna wait for revival or hope for revival. We wanna see revival. And I'm telling you, it's gonna take us believing in revival. Stand to your feet, please. I'll get my altar ministers to come down. 
I just want to say this to you. I know there's a lot of new people here today. Thank you for being here. Revives maybe not your typical church. I saw you looking at your watch like, man, they're in worship forever. You're going to see a couple words over here on this side on the wall that say the word and the spirit. That's the direction God gave us when we started. What does that mean? It means in the United States, there's a uh, polarization between the fundamental Bible-believing believer. Uh, Do what the Bible says, say what the Bible says, nothing more, nothing less, I'm good. Then there's a charismatic group over here that says, man, we're just in this for the experience. We want God to touch us. We want him to move. We want things to happen. And God said to us, I need those two back together. I need the charismatic understanding biblically what he believes and why he's doing the things. And I need the fundamentalist to understand there's a power of the Holy Spirit and things are still relevant for today like the giftings and healing. So we're trying to bring those together. How do we do it? We go into the word of God and we find the revelation of the spirit of God. We let him teach us what it means. What are we supposed to believe? What is this scripture actually saying? And then over here, you're gonna see words that say encounter with God. The second direction we got is that you, 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 while you're here, we need to set up an environment so you can encounter God so that he can speak to you while you're here, so that he can touch you while you're here, so that he can heal you while you're here, so he can give you that answer while you're here. Listen to me, we want you to have an encounter with the living, loving Father that will set you free, that will mend those things that are broken, that will give you the answers you're looking for. So Revived Church was put in place to put the Word and the Spirit back together and to set up an environment where we can encounter God. And we invite you into this process. We invite you. I challenge you to come and hear the teaching and challenge me. Not because I'm arrogant or prideful, because I wanna know if I'm right or wrong. And if you can give me input that shows me I'm wrong, then I wanna change and I'll repent before the Father and before the congregation. But I take very seriously the revelation of the Holy Spirit on the Word. Teach me so that I can teach. You'll see things are a little different at Revive. But if the Holy Spirit's led you here, stay here. If he doesn't tell you to go, stay here because he's got a plan for you and he's going to unroll it. So we try to end our services with our altar ministry team. These people have been through a tremendous amount of prayer training and they pray all week to pray for you. They, they are gifted. They are ready to break bondages. They're ready to go before the Father and get answers. They're ready to impart giftings. They're ready to dispense healing. And this is what we say. Please, please, please don't get to your car and think, I should have had him pray about my marriage. I should have had him pray about that pain that I'm having at night. I should have had them pray about my finances and my job because you will have missed the opportunity to have that encounter with God. Do it while you're here. Father God, today in this place, we're seeking you, your word, Logos, Rhema, your revelation, your explanation. And God, in this house, we want to commit to you that we want to learn to believe, to fully believe. Our hope is obviously in you, but our belief has to be in what you told us to believe. 
come and do what you want to do in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. What did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We are excited that Pastor Todd has released his complete set of his Vindication series, God Vindication, Jesus Vindication, and Holy Spirit Vindication. These books will help you become intimately acquainted with all members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To go even deeper in applying this to our lives, he has also released workbooks to accompany these books. We all know that hearing a message and reading a message can be very helpful, but our memories can fade with time. But if we work on practical applications of the concept found in these workbooks, we can cement these into our long-term memory banks and be ready to share them with others. The books and workbooks are available separately or as a set on Amazon.com. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.